Hello there, you're listening to the Table Talk podcast with me, Paddy McGuinness. And me, Christine McGuinness. This series is all about the wonders and worries of raising disabled or seriously ill children. We'll be talking about lots of different things. Lots, whether it be the price tag of disability, trying to get away on a simple holiday or the challenges of getting together as a family at mealtimes. And that's never easy at the best of times. So, on the Table Talk podcast, we are working with McCain who believe every family should be able to enjoy mealtimes together. And Family Fund, the national charity providing grants and essential support to families on low incomes who are raising disabled or seriously ill children across the UK. McCain is supporting Family Fund to help them reach their goal of providing 150,000 grants and services to families across the UK each year. Together, McCain and Family Fund are supporting even more families on low incomes, giving parents, carers and children a voice and helping to create those little moments that matter, like at mealtimes. This episode is all about the senses. We'll find out how touch, taste, smell and of course sight and hearing affect and enhance the lives of families with disabled or seriously ill children. And this week we're really lucky to have two guests, Melissa and her son Fraser, who are at home in Havent. Hello Melissa, hello Fraser, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Very good. Morning Fraser, you okay pal? Yeah, I'm okay. Now Fraser, we've never met before. How would you describe yourself and what can you tell us just so that we know a little bit more about you? Well, I'd say I'm, I'd say I'm sociable. Well, mum says I'm very, I can be very likeable, but I'm also can be quite pessimistic sometimes about things but I can also be quite optimistic right do you want to tell us a little bit more about what you want to do when you're older what are your favorite hobbies well what older I want to be an orthopedic doctor oh wow so have you got that planned out Fraser then what's the crack you leave school then what I want to go to college yeah then I want to university and medical school and being an undergraduate in a hospital to become a doctor then hopefully then get my speciality oh wow you've got it all mapped out and just, wait, can I just talk to you about school? Because um, my eldest daughter, Penelope, loves school and loves routine. What is it about when you when you wake up in the morning, how does it work with your routine? And what is it that makes you feel comfortable? Or what is it that can happen during the day that makes you feel uncomfortable and a bit stressed? I like the fact that there's routine because I know what's going to happen. But, and if, but if something happens in school that I don't know is going to happen, that stresses me out because I because I'm not prepared for it to happen. So, like, if sometimes in English I've got to, since some of the teachers are off, my English teacher has to take another class, and I don't I don't know about them beforehand, I kind of get a bit stressed because I wasn't prepared for that situation to happen. Yeah, that's totally understandable. And do you have help and support at school? Do you feel like everybody understands when those things happen? For the teachers, yes. Not always for some of the students, because they just think I'm sometimes very annoying. Oh, really? That's something we talk about quite a lot because I don't know if you know, Fraser, our three children are all autistic. I'm autistic myself and we're unsure how much their classmates understand their condition. We don't know if they even know that they're autistic and we often wonder if this should be a lesson in school, if it's something that should be spoken about a lot more openly, which I know you do actually quite proudly talk about your condition, don't you? Yep, I like to talk about my condition. Just because I'm not normal mentally doesn't mean I'm not just like them. The fact I'm still a person, I still I still probably do a lot of the things they do. And just because I don't do it, don't get the same treatment as them doesn't mean I'm not the same as them. And, they, and I feel like people need to understand that, that he, just because I'm disabled mentally doesn't mean I'm not different from anyone else. 
I just need a bit more help with things. Yes, but when Fraser was a bit younger, I was extremely anxious, mainly about other people. Not so much if I had everything with me. It's just, I just, I've had so many bad experiences with other people. It actually makes me quite emotional and upset. Like even going to the park, children just walking away from Fraser and because he wants to introduce himself. Like he's very, what I would call gentlemanly when he goes and introduces, hello there, um, my name's Fraser. What's your name? Would you like to play? And even though it's so polite and friendly, people still just turn their sort of noses up at him. He's even even had full grown adults tell him to sort of go away, but not in that nice way. Mm. Just because he's, it's, I don't know, different. I suppose so. It, it is upsetting as a parent when your your child goes up to a, another child in that lovely way and introduces themselves, mm. which is the most normal, nice thing to do ever. But most kids, as we as we know, will probably look at that as though, like, what the hell's going on here? And they don't understand it. And I think as a parent, it's heartbreaking when you see your child being so lovely and nice to someone and it's not it's not given back to them. Do you know what I mean? And that's a tricky thing, I think. Yeah. So you're right about that. But again, you're not on your own because that's something that I've experienced a million times when I'm out with my kids. And I'm glad my kids still do that like Fraser I'm glad they're polite and I'm glad they go over but the fact that Fraser's going over and introducing himself is a good thing because it's showing it's showing for me that Fraser's willing to you know interact with people yeah can I ask you a little bit about um sensory things Fraser Mm, sure because this will help me uh, with, with my own children as well, because my daughter, Penelope, struggles with socks. And if they're not on exactly right on her feet and we've not, and there's a little bit of a twist on the front or there's a bit of something rubbing her toes not right and like the seams, yeah, she, do, she really doesn't like it. So how do you go on with things like that and sensory issues? I just don't wear socks whenever I can. Oh, really? Because I feel like they kind of restrict my feet. I don't know why they feel like they restrict my feet and I don't like them at all. So whenever I can, I don't wear them. Like, like there are times when it's really cold outside and I'm like, my mum's like, we're going to go. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm coming downstairs and I've got my sliders and my flip-flops on ready to go. She says, no, get socks on, get your socks on, get some trainers now. That's brilliant. So, so, as long so, as you're comfortable and so, happy. So you'd go out at winter... Because of that, you you put a pair of sliders on with no socks. Yeah. So d- happily, when you're out, then for it, you must feel the cold, or is it just is it is it kind of like a, a bargaining thing with yourself, where you think, well, I'd sooner be cold than feel restricted. No, I just don't feel the cold. <laughs> yeah, I think our felicity is a little bit like that. Oh god. And what is, about yeah. your other senses, like with food, taste, smell, things like that? For me, when it comes, if it comes, when it comes, if if something doesn't doesn't smell like how something I like, if I don't like the look of it or the smell of it, or if I can't touch it with my hands, I probably won't. I probably won't eat it. Like when it comes to bananas, I usually I take the peel off and just hold the banana and don't put hold the peel at all. I put it in the bin. Right. Okay. Do you know I'm exactly the same? I can't. There's so much food that I can't touch therefore would never eat it and our children are the same fries are probably the favorite in fries, our house oven chips oven chi- yeah nuggets <laughs> yeah Fish anything fingers. like that chips you love chips chips with cheese on chips and che- cheese chips i was gonna say as well the banana thing for us is we have to slice our bananas up don't we mm. half the time 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know how it was for you when Fraser was younger, but with all of our children's food, when they were toddlers, everything had to be very particular. And it still is now, certainly for Leo, his toast has to be cut in a certain way. Um, but it it has improved. Is that something you've seen with Fraser? Yes, it definitely has improved as the years have gone on. As he's got a little bit older and his understandings, he understands a little bit more. Like we say to him, try this or try that. And he, he will, he does give him that, give it a little go. Sometimes it will just come straight back out. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes um, I like, go, sometimes, like, sometimes he'll smell it and he'll say, I really can't, I really can't try that. I don't want to try it. I don't want to try it. And I'm like, okay, okay. But uh, over the years, like he's gone from eating like no meat whatsoever. Mm. So like I was really worried about protein, mm. no meats at all to now he does eat, you like, you like bacon and sausages, don't you? Yeah. I tried to feed you pork yesterday on your roast dinner, but you weren't having any of that. It's not necessarily just the food. The food is a big part of the sensory issues, but it can be the way it's prepared. It can be the plate that it's served on. Yeah, visually. Yeah. It all has to be separate. Yeah, things have to be separate. They don't really like anything, um, you know, wet. So like a lasagna or a bolognese or gravy, that would just be far too adventurous. Mm. But then I'm I was going to say it's a dry plate. Yeah. But listen, can I ask you... um, just with Fraser saying about breakfast, he doesn't have breakfast. Did you ever feel as a parent, because this is one of the things that for me was difficult back in the day, especially if at breakfast time, I couldn't get the kids to eat anything. I'd be stressed out thinking to myself, if the teachers find out they've not had any breakfast, I'd be, I'd be worried. They'd be looking at me going, Oh God, they're sending them out with no breakfast. This is a bad parent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it it is a bit worrying because I think you need to eat, you need to eat. And it, I am thinking you need to eat mainly because of that reason. Mm. I don't want people to think I've sent him to school with no breakfast. Yeah. Although his school, very good. They do have an SEN breakfast club in the morning. So if I get him to school early enough, he'll go there and then he might tell them that he doesn't want to eat either. So they can actually see that he's not really eating but then he doesn't it's so hard because he'll pack him a packed lunch and he'll come home with most of that because he doesn't eat at school Mm. yeah he doesn't like i only ever eat i only ever eat like like lunch but it's after school around 3 30 ish but really if i can I, i really don't eat that much just with you saying that you've just triggered a memory for me being at school um I I didn't eat at school. For me, the reasons were not just around the food. It was the whole canteen environment. Um, I wasn't very social at school. I struggled with the noise in the canteen was quite a lot. The queue, that anxiety building up of Agreed. getting the food. So I didn't eat when I was at school. And I never understood why at the time, because I was only diagnosed as an adult. I wonder if that's something that adds to it. Yeah, I avoid the canteen as much as possible because I don't, I don't, there, I don't do like you? how loud it is. It's annoying. I thought so. But obviously today we're talking about senses and I've just been thinking about, for me and my children, how much we really love music. But then there are sounds that can really trigger a whole different experience and a negative experience. I'm wondering if that's something for you. Is there any sounds that you really like or that you don't like? Hmm. If it sounds I like, I like it sounds weird, but like, mum, you kind of like don't like it when I do this. Like sometimes, what do you think? Like, what am I? What are you doing? But it's because I zip. If I'm if I do wear a coat, rarely when I really do, I usually do the zip up and down because I like the sound of it because it sounds because it's enjoyable to listen to. And when you when you're doing that with a zip, and and you like the sound of it, does it make you kind of 
Do you feel calm yeah. when you're doing that? Yeah, it doesn't. It makes me feel calm. It's like what I usually do if my, I feel like mum's like getting annoyed how much I'm moving, or like feels like like why is he keep like moving so much? If I, I feel like that helps me be not so jumpy if I keep zipping up and down because it's because I'm moving, I'm, I'm doing something, and I'm focused on something, but I'm not doing anything that will like like that's like gonna make embarrass mum in public. Don't embarrass me. Yeah, I can imagine it's quite stimulating, but. It w- it's not obvious to anybody else. Right, we're going to have a bit of a chat with your mum now, if that's okay, Fraser. It's been lovely talking to you. Same here. I like it, so I'm leaving the light on. <laughs> good lad, uh. good lad, Fraser. Have a good one, pal. Speak to you later. Take care. Charmy. Thank you, Fraser. Take care. Bye. Bye. Melissa, uh, firstly... We've got you on your own now. Thank you so much for sticking around for, <laughs> sticking around for us. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Family Fund, uh, a bit more in depth. Yep. But, uh, but now you're on your own, it's always tricky when you, your little ones at the side of you and these things you think, oh, I, I can't say that in front of them or whatever. So <laughs> tell us a bit about yourself and tell us a bit about kind of like your home life, you know, and, and bringing up Fraser, the effects that's had on you, the pluses, the minuses, you know, that's what we're here yeah. to chat about. So... Fraser is the youngest of three children. Yeah. I've I've got a, a daughter who's now living in Australia, so that was a big change for Fraser. That he, his sister, that was actually a really big support to me yeah. and to Fraser, has left. And the sister that he argues with the most has stayed behind. So we've got <laughs> he's got two older sisters, and then there's Fraser. And straight away, like bringing them up, they were walking before they were one. And then I got this boy and I thought oh maybe he's a lazy boy I don't know didn't walk didn't crawl did not crawl at all and now looking back when I've had like his assessments they've said to me oh that's a trait of autism that they he walked at 17 months old so he was well over a year yeah it's delays in the development yeah so he was yeah he's like he's not developing in that way like the girls did and then I thought oh maybe it's because he's a boy because he was my first, my only boy. Yeah. And then it got to the whole eating. When you start feeding him solids, it would come straight back out. Yeah. And I was like, he's got something wrong. I took him to the hospital. He's, has he got this? Has he got that? Um, and from a very young age, it was only, and still to this day, you'd only eat foods that he could touch physically with his hands. So that's exactly like ours. Mm. Even now, like when I do give him a knife and fork, he's still quite awkward with a knife and fork, even though he's 14 almost. He's so mm. awkward yeah. with a knife and fork because he likes to touch and feel his food before he eats eats it. So it's all handheld. So from a young age, like it, it would be toast soldiers and the only meat he'd ever eat was sausage, like he'd eat a sausage roll. And then again, he used to eat the pastry off. It's like, how old was Fraser when he was diagnosed? Eight. Eight years old. Because I initially thought it was quite fast-tracked because he become quite um, violent at school. Right. And I thought, oh, he's got ADHD. That's yeah. it, he's got ADHD. So then when they said to me, he's got ADHD, but we want to put him forward for an autism diagnosis as well, I kind of I cried to start with because I didn't know anything about autism. Mm. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, and I was like, well, ADHD explains so much, but now I've got to learn all about autism. Like, I, I don't know anything about it. Like, it was just so hard. This this is, is literally everything you've said. I, I promise you, everything you've it said is exactly, is exactly 
a carbon copy for us. We just know every single thing you've said there, we totally understand and know because the, we've been through it ourselves. The vomit after they'd eaten was like, a, it was an everyday thing oh, where you, you kind of get to the point where you think there's absolutely the amount of no point in trying to get them to eat this food because they're just mm. going to bring it back up. And then when we, that was when we started with um, the weaning stage of, you know, blending everything all of the food, making sure that it had no lumps in, smooth, and they just bring it all back up. And then when we gave them the dry food, the snacks and the crackers, that's when they started to to eat a little bit more. But yeah, everything had to be all around the senses. Was there anything else in his development that you noticed when he was younger um, that wasn't quite right? Is, was his speech delayed? His speech was not delayed, actually. He was actually probably speaking a lot earlier than my two girls were. Like, he could spell his name. He knew exactly... He knew so much, even as far as one of his teachers in school once when he was in about year four or five said that his knowledge, his vocabulary was a lot wider than other children of his age. Yeah. It's because of the books. He's always yeah. enjoyed reading. I've read to that child since he was in my belly. So I just read to him, read to him, but he enjoys books. They were his comfort. Like, yeah. So development wise in that way, he was quite, he was probably above and beyond other children of his age. And academically, I'm assuming he's definitely ahead for his age. Yeah, he's he's he he's doing it. well. Yeah, greater depth. But um, yeah, that's that, sorry. That's one of the things I think as a parent, which which used to confuse me because again, our children are the same academically. The 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 miles ahead of everyone in the class. You know, even the year above them. But then other things they're not, and it's like so confusing as a parent. You're going, I don't. You know, because they're super intelligent and they're bright and they read and they understand things. But then, for instance, where you were saying Fraser with his socks, you can't get your head around it, can you? Or he'll walk into the middle of the road because he's not. Yeah. yeah. And you have to... Common sense for ours is is not quite there. Just, he thinks anyone that says hello, oh, they're, they're the best of... That's the best friend now. Like, mm. yeah. a man come up to us once inquiring about my dog and... He was like, oh, what a lovely man. And I was actually thinking, well, actually, he was a tiny bit creepy, the way he was talking, and he kept getting a bit too close for my liking. And yeah. I said, I just said to him, yeah. if that man then said to you, Fraser, oh, let's go mm. for a cup of tea at my house, let's have a, would you go? He went, yeah. Like, there's no sense oh, of... God. It's, it's almost bittersweet, isn't it? Because on one hand, you kind of think, it's amazing that he's so innocent to it you know and he thinks that everybody's lovely that's that's a lovely quality to have in somebody but then the worry as a mom for you and and I'm the same with my children they they would think that someone was the friend if they came over saying hello it's quite scary especially as Fraser's getting older you know does he go out much on his own does he ever leave the house alone he doesn't he's only ever with me just we go out with me so how do how does Fraser's experiences of the world differ to other people's, Melissa, when you're out and about with him. Can you, can you help the people listening understand a little bit more about that? Because we're aware of it, but people listening might not be. Um, For instance, like if you go to a restaurant. So, yeah, so if, yeah, so if we're going to a restaurant, we have to, it's not just as simple as going to a restaurant. We have to pack, obviously, all the games. Yeah. We make sure there's something on the menu that he's going to eat. Yeah. On most menus have chips, so we're quite all right. Like, <laughs> often I just eat chips. Yeah. But um, Chips are the saviour, I think, for any parents with children with autism. Chips seem to be the saviour. Definitely. Melissa, where do you think his 
his sensory experiences make things a bit more challenging when you go out and about. Is he okay in supermarkets? No. No. No, no, no. He prefers to stay in the car. He says, can I sit in the car? Yeah. If we're going to go to supermarkets, because it's too echoey, and especially like shopping centres. Yeah. Do you know, when you go into a shopping centre, that's it's all yeah. echoey. Cars are similar, and it's, it's purely down to the sensory issues. And when did you speak to Fraser about it? Because obviously he's quite confident and he's comfortable talking about it. He understands himself. He seems more than happy to talk about his condition. Um, we started talking to him about it probably straight away, but he didn't quite understand. But when he was probably understood more year six or sort of 10, 11, and um, right, there's okay. a lot of books out there for children um, because mm, he yeah. had a strong connection with the Elsas at school. So they're the emotional a lead support staff. So yeah. they have a lot of books on that and um, he got to have some books is there, on Is that. there any books you can, you can recommend, um, Alyssa? There's an ADHD book called The Gremlin Inside or something like that. Um, the Gremlin Inside. The Gremlin. Someone, someone sent me that recently, actually. But um, there was a lot of reading on ADHD and autism and also um, CAMS, where he got his diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. Um, they had some booklets and some leaflets on it that were age related for him yeah so he could but the psych this is it a psychiatrist that that diagnoses him she said she was almost certain from the moment he walked in because he bowed he went bonjour madame <laughs> he was only like eight oh my he God. bowed to her and he went bonjour madame like <laughs> oh and she was like him. oh not yeah. many eight-year-olds <laughs> greet you in that way. Oh, um, so, so innocent, so lovely. Uh, you know, our paediatrician was the same. She said to us as soon as they walked in, she said, I could have diagnosed them within a minute. Melissa, can I ask, how did you find out about Family Fund? I think it was for a friend, actually. It's going back now because it's been for a while because we've had every year you can apply. And yeah. Fraser's, he got a bed. He got a bed one year as well because wow. I really couldn't really? afford him a bed and he was getting really big. He was getting too big for the bed that he had. Yeah, um, and then the bike was amazing because he he would not get on a bike for love nor money when he was a bit younger. And we tried and we tried and we tried. And then we finally started to sort of try and get on it and it got a bit too small. So yeah. that year we applied for the family fund for a bigger bike for him. And it was the year that he learned to ride a bike. Oh, wow. Oh, so that's really special. Amazing. Because he likes, he, he has to be grounded. His feet have to be on the ground. Like, it's yeah. a balanced thing. When I was, I was, I actually, I've done a few courses in autism just to try and learn a bit more myself. And they say there's a balance thing and it's like to do with... Um, yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like no, that, I know exactly she? what you what you mean. Yeah, that, yeah. that bike, like saved us when we were in lockdown because we went on like little bike rides and he was able Amazing. to come and join in you know because you you're yeah. allowed your hour of exercise so we'd go out on yeah. the bikes and that's amazing just to think if it wasn't for family funds you wouldn't have had that incredible i think when you get the letter that says oh you've been granted this award it makes you feel really excited because you're like oh yes we can definitely definitely go on that holiday this year or oh my god he's going to get his bike or the time when he got the bed, it was like a voucher and there was a little bit left over. So we managed to get him a wardrobe as well as the bed. And it just takes the strain off the fact that, like, I don't earn a big wage mm. and I do get help. I do get a little bit of help, like, with my rent. But it's not always enough to be able to save to do a holiday or yeah. you might not have enough money that week to get some money put by for a bed or things like that. So there is a, there is a sense of excitement there. Of course. Like, yes. I, we're going to get to go somewhere this week and 
And then when like centre parks got added, I thought we've never been there. I've always wanted to try it, but can never afford it. Yeah. So then to have a grant to be go towards going to centre parks, I was like so excited. Mm. So with that in mind, um, why do you think grants from Family Fund are so essential to families and, and of course, your family, Melissa? Well, like I said with the bike, at that time I didn't have a lot of money, so to afford a bike would have been... Yeah. Well, I couldn't have afforded him a bigger bike and I don't think he would have learnt to ride a bike that was miles too small for him. Miles too small? <laughs> a lot smaller than he was. Yeah. Honestly, hit that taught him to ride a bike, yeah. basically. Having that bike that's that fitted him I wouldn't have been able to afford that going to Haven year in year out through the family fund meant that we did have a little getaway every year because having the family fund provide like that little bit of money every year to go to Haven say is like yeah amazing and I couldn't afford him that bed that time well Melissa Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day today to talk to us. And it'll You're welcome. it'll be a massive help for other people listening. And uh, I know he's gone now, but please pass on our thanks again to Fraser. I will do. And also pass on this. Au revoir. <laughs> oh, au revoir. No. I will do. Au revoir. Au revoir, Fraser. <laughs> Melissa, you can't leave us just yet. Yeah, something we do at the end of every podcast is we ask for our table tips. Do you want to explain a bit more on that? Oh, table tips. Right, okay. So give us your top tip, Melissa, for getting Fraser sat down at the table and getting into his favourite food. Well, for Fraser, it's let him take his book to the table with him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he likes taking his book to the table. Or I think always have a always have a game prepared. I think even if it's just a a, vo- a game that you just make up in your head and you do it as a vocal, sort, sort of like the alphabet game, or I think there should always be a, a subject that you want to talk about if you're going to all sit around the table because it's it's not all about eating, it's about being together, isn't it? Mm. So It's a social thing. Yeah, so always have a subject to talk about maybe. Um, prepare games and just make sure, and make sure you're willing to sit at the table with the child because then they'll all sit up with you, I think. I agree. More time Great. with... More time with mum, the better. (laughs) I love that. And that's something we try and do and we need to do a lot more of. All of us sitting around the table together. So important. Enjoying our meal. Playing a game. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And another uh, top tip for us is uh, have something to balance a book or an iPad on. Like a little little something to put balance them on and then they'll be right as rain. Right, well, that's got in the top tips. That top table tips there from Melissa. Books and get yourself at the table first. Fantastic. I'll write that down. Melissa, <laughs> it's been amazing talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. That's all right. Thanks for taking the time out for us, Melissa. Oh, it's been a great chatting to you both. Okay, take care. Bye. Oh, I got bye. Au revoir. Bye bye. Au revoir. Bye bye. Bye bye. 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 <laughs> We'll be back very soon for another show with another fantastic guest. And remember, if you were able to make a donation to Family Fund, your support will really make a big difference for so many families in need of vital help. To do that, have a look at mccainfamilyfund.co.uk. And thank you so much to Melissa and Fraser for joining us today and to McCain for getting us together with Family Fund to bring everyone another episode of Table Talk. And thanks for listening today. We hope you join us next time on Table Talk. ta Bye.